Hello and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. For those of you following along at home, <laughs> welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. You have got to lay off that heavy metal stuff, dude. It'll, oh. <laughs> I haven't even listened to anything like that in forever. For shame. Oh. <laughs> No, but it got, you know, you have to think about those things. Yeah. From time to Don't time. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So how is everyone dealing with the, oh, my gosh, where the heck did my butt? Oh, it froze off. Everyone doing okay? It came through in one piece. Nothing froze off, apparently. And, and it appears my general region of the country and world is now just trying to be washed away. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be about right. I'll for quote there. Joe Cat again Mother Nature's an absolute bitch. <laughs> it's not nice to play with Mother Nature. <laughs> She's like, shut up, bitch. But she likes it sometimes. <laughs> Especially when you play Foursquare or Tic Tac Toe. Like... <laughs> oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Man, there is. Uh, something is very very wrong with us and i wouldn't have it any other way oh yeah definitely Uh, definitely so we've been as we've been we've been doing this whole building out the the post-apocalyptic kind of uh you know arc ship thing and i think we've done some really cool things but one thing I'm looking forward to this one because I can't wait to see what you guys came up with because uh, I'm terrified. Um, is the one thing, if, if you think about it, is, okay, we've come up with a lot of technical things, kind of uh, sciencey things, uh, basic, almost even the uh, the more cold aspects. You know, the more... The less human things. And this episode, we are pretty much injecting a lot of things that kind of what makes humans human. And yep. I'm looking forward to this one because this one we got, oh, we got myths, we've got legends, urban myths, and if any of you guys put Slenderman in here, I'm killing you. Because no. I need one more body for him, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is something I was thinking about when when we, when when I first pitched this one as like, we should really do something like this, was... You know, whenever humans seem to collect in numbers, we do a, co- a few different things. And one is we generally take whatever numbers we have and then we make smaller groups of each other and like clicks. But the other one is that we start talking. And it's kind of cool in a way if you think about it because 
yeah one uh, a lot of urban legends now um uh, at least a little, we had like if you think about urban legends we have uh, for now in the digital age slenderman sonic exe stuff like that but mm-hmm. you know there's urban legends like bunny man the jersey devil and there's also the the uh the urban legend is like back when i was a kid it was like if you see someone driving around without their headlights you know, don't flash your headlights. I don't know if you guys remember that one. Because they're gang members and they're going to initiate by killing yeah. you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, and it goes to one of those fundamental things that happens, like Zen was talking about, when we start forming those those kind of bonds and creating in-groups. You've got to have some kind of a, a shared mythos. Something has to be out there. And it seems to be the common occurrence that we create these myths, these urban legends. A friend of a friend of a friend's uncle's cousin heard about it. No, this actually happened to my roommate's best friend's father's cousin's roommate. Yep. Exactly. It's It's always third per it's third party, like you you're it's never like a first source. Well, but it also is filtering in the same kind of information that that religion at a mythological level filters in what is it that we're reinforcing as a culture as a society what are we saying we're afraid of the the gang initiation urban legend was a fear of the other rooted in uh, misplaced and exaggerated reports about crime and especially a rural urban divide Mm -hmm. it often came as as a, a conflict point between rural and urban regions but it also, I mean, that particular myth was really tied into the into racism as well. Mm-hmm. That that is what I was getting at. And yeah, it's it's nasty, and that's what people do. It's not right, but that's what a lot of people end up doing. One well, examples like the Slender Man show how the the edge of your field of vision, peripheral movement that you never quite catch keeps evolving. There's always something in the shadows. Yeah, like part of Jersey what, Devil or Bunny Man. Eventually, you know, we, now we got the digital digital equivalents thereof, or the, the man with the hook hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we all, we evolved because, and survived because we were better able to deal with things on the peripheral vision and better able to react. That's part of, we are hardwired to react to that. And so it's not a surprise that myths grow up around what it is we can't quite see. Yeah. What we fill in the blanks and we make there because that is, that is a large part of what that is, is like, you know, it's that like that and sleep paralysis where your brain actually starts making up its own narrative of what's really going on around you because that dream and waking world are overlaid. Mm -hmm. And so we have to try to rationalize it because that's what humans love to do. And we're pattern seekers. So there's, you know, when you do it more more than once, well, there's a pattern. So obviously there's something there. At the core of all of these myths and urban legends are attempts to make sense of the world around us. Like we've said, there's a sense of mystery 
a sense of fear and a sense of, of that pattern recognition. One of the strongest parts about how humanity comes together into groups and, and, and how we function comes from that pattern recognition and, and the way our brains, with their unique combination of mammalian and reptilian components, tend to create order out of perceived chaos. And that's and, kind of what's fun. And if you think about it also, in, in a way, like a lot of these... Or the like a lot like yes, you're kind of rolling your eyes a little bit, but in a way though, if you think, if you name it, you could control it. It's a way of in a way of just document and exerting control over it by naming it. It's like, all right, now Zeus is pissed. It's not like okay, lightning is just you know randomly straight. Lightning struck that yeah, tree. Yeah, no, it's rather right. than like Zeus was just throwing a hissy fit because Harrow found out again. You know, it's like you're like oh okay, it's a way of there's a way to placate. Yeah, yeah. It, well, and I didn't say Bloody Mary three times in the mirror in the dark, so I'm okay. Yep. Biggie Smalls. <laughs> but no, you're right. Like all of these are things that lay that foundational myth and an urban legend that is kind of wired into mankind. Well, and that's something to think about when you're designing a campaign or a campaign setting, that these urban legends, the, these kind of folklore level myths, tell your players a lot about what is or isn't you know, valued or needed, directly or indirectly. Now, whether yeah. or not in a fantasy game or a sci-fi game or one of these things, they could be true, is up to you. But... Being afraid of raiders is one thing, but being afraid of an undefined creature that stalks in the night that comes after children who don't put out freshly threshed grains for the harvest festival tells you something else about what is valued. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, you think about it, like uh, weird Christmas traditions, old wives' tales. You know, like the the whole thing with Murray Lude. You have to be able, or uh, I can't remember. Oh, the the cat. There was a. Uh, it's like if you're not wearing your best on on Christmas Eve or something. The this. Uh, I can't remember the name. It's driving me crazy. But the cat will come down and like you know eat you or something like that. You know, so it's like. Oh. It's like, okay, why did this come up? Where did this come from? Yeah. So. That's that's always the the trick is trying to figure out, you know, yeah, it's it's partly based on what the society and the culture that it springs up in does hold as important. Like that would be, you know, along the lines of Christmas is very important. So you have to look your best. Mm -hmm. Otherwise this thing will come and get you. Well, I mean the Yule cat was also about making sure the workers finished their work because that was when they got their new set of clothes was when they finished that seasonal work and the Yule cat would eat them if they weren't in their best, which is only accomplishable if they actually do the work for the landowner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It also reinforces yeah. systems of control and power. Which is something yep. that you will see in my urban legend as well. Yeah, and it's in a way, it's also <laughs> kind of interesting though. It's just like sometimes you'll, it, here's here's the th sometimes it's like you'll get uh, urban legends and myths and stuff that seem to just spring up 
like uh, like a standalone complex. There's no initiating event, but it's just like okay, if everyone's coming up with this at the same time, why? Yeah, it's really kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so by by doing this and and at least coming up with at least a couple of folk tales, like you know, some it's like okay, uh, during during the uh, during the blood moon, you rub lemon juice on the outside of your stall, so that way. Uh, you know, goblins can't come in because goblins hate, you know, hate lemons or something like that. It doesn't have to be super serious. It doesn't have to be, but it has to be like everyone has superstitions, throwing salt uh, over your shoulder, what have you, you know? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And those, those are also part of the, the myths and urban legends are those, those weird little superstitions and things like that. You can always add those in into how you make these these pieces of of folk lore and stuff like fit into the world and and make it all kind of flow and feel organic well and one of my favorite things to do with folklore in a game and in a campaign setting I like to keep track of what my players have done and create folklore around them that they hear about later in the campaign. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you? But it also <laughs> means that you get to keep track of what they've done and it, it it lets you interrogate the kind of meta question about, you know, the nature of stories, of heroes, of what it is that these people are doing. And mm-hmm. so it, it reinforces something that I like to explore in games. Uh, and it's also kind of fun for them to have that moment of realization, like in the Avatar The Last Airbender episode where they see this play. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I don't look anything like that. <laughs> They're kind of like, ah! I scream, so that's how I could see stuff. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. So the task for those of you listening along at home is to catch us on one of our various and sundry social media platforms and let us know about an urban legend or, or folklore level myth that you used in a campaign or a game. Uh, be it one that you had as a way to set the stage or explain a part of the story and history of the world or one that you used just to uh, bedevil your characters on the fly. We want to hear about it. Yeah, we do. Because those are awesome. <laughs> so let's go ahead and dive into our own that we've created. Jules, go first. Hi, she doesn't want to go first. She doesn't yeah. want to go last. I mean, where do you yeah, want no, to go? You know? It's like the bots are learning. Okay. It's just water cooler kibitzing, but it seems to be more tenacious than the other rumors. While coding for very while coding for various autonomous drones around the ship is sophisticated, they still just follow their coding. They follow their programs. But stories about the bots acting strange are still being whispered from crew member to crew member. 
And while there hasn't been any recorded evidence of these events, anecdotal and hearsay accounts are numerous. Stories of patrol bots being found far away from their pre-programmed routes with no reason as to their location anomaly. Scrouting drones just eerily freezing mid-mission. Responding to status queries with nonsense or eerie phrases like, It's dark in here. Or, Everything is burning. Assistive droids seem to act belligerent or contradict an order. Normally, this would be chalked up to faulty coding or damage, but all recent inspections have not shown any damage to internal components, no corrupt code, nothing. Just superficial scuffing, maybe a damaged light here and there. And it's a nightmare to track down the source of these stories and these rumors. And it's always, I heard it from crewmate so-and-so, or I thought I read it in a memo somewhere. And cracking down on the rumors triggered the Streisand effect to an absurd degree. So the stories are spreading, changing, growing. And it's having the unfortunate side effect of putting everyone on edge. The crew is losing trust in the very technology that helps keep the ship together, keeping them alive. They don't trust the data provided by various bots, and it puts the crew in harm's way. They don't trust the robo-assistant to function properly. And they'll quadruple check each robotic component to make sure it's not going act up. And having the kids eyeing his father's electric razor with distrust is now the least of the ship's worries. Nice! <laughs> I like it! <laughs> I am... That's oh, cool. I am very glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. It was just... I would just think it's like, what would be the, the, the creepiest thing here? And then I would just thought of like a robot that very very calm voice saying everything's burning and i'm like oh i can do this yeah <laughs> yeah definitely so what's next who's coming up next uh i mean i i don't care well then you go okay the lost kids as they're called are ones that have been left by malice or accident in a section of the ship as it's been evacuated due to some problem. Parents will hear them cry in their sleep, if they can sleep after losing a child, that is. Later, a neighbor will catch a glimpse of them turning a corner in a dead-end section of the ship. They'll run to try to catch up with them and see if they can bring the poor lost kid home to their family. As they turn a corner, there's no one there. Later, the parents might hear a knock on the door to their quarters from what sounds like little hands. They look out and nothing's there. When they open the door, there is a child, though, about the same age as the one they lost, standing on the other side of the passage. And they look up to the adult. The face is gone. It's just a mask of flesh covering all the features of the face. But they hear a voice begging to be let in before the cold of space robs them of their will to get home. Classic creepy. It's in the, oh, it's. Oof. 
God, it's a kind of man, like the the from Little Fears, like the lost children, you know, the ones that were forgotten for some reason, and the Nopero, and you mm-hmm. just combine the both. I'm like, that's disturbing as hell. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the idea. I know, but still. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't. I have never read anything for Little Fears, so that's even better. Well done, sir. It, it, appropriately creepy yet you know it gives you that uh-huh. kind of like okay i'm disturbed kind of feeling up your spine yeah awesome all right go to what have you got have you heard about the the rack them pass rac pass i mean sometimes you just need a little extra help right it's one big closed system so it can't really hurt anybody when you use it and i had to come from somewhere inside the ship Look, I know you're worried about it. It'll be fine. It, look, the whole command sector uses it all the time. It's a simple little command to input whatever terminal you're logged into. Yeah, just a, a code relic, a, a leftover piece of command access that never got out of the ship system when it had to launch so fast. It just takes a little bleed off the scout ship's launch. No big deal. Uh, yeah, they, they said some kind of quantum power boost that gets around system limitations and, and a little extra access to let you in where you need to go. Yeah. No, just use this passcode from this pass. That's a, don't worry. No, don't don't worry about it. They won't come for you. There are no such thing as a code reclamation technician. It is not true. There, No, there are not gray-suited technicians behind every corner tracing this code. That's crazy talk. Where would they put the bodies if that's what's going on? No, no, it's fine. I've been using it for the last month and nothing's happened to me. Oh, oh I love it. Oh, that's great. Oh. oh, damn, dude. Oh my God, that's wicked. When it's playing off of, you know, that myth or legend of access and... and when it's gotten through a secret way, there's usually some kind of a, a balance to having that into controlling the world. It's usually, you know, horror and the occult based. But in Spaceship, I thought about a code fragment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it is there. Maybe it does work. Maybe if you've seen Event Horizon, you could take your game in that direction. If that's yeah. what's going on, maybe there really are code reclamation technicians tracking people who are stealing off bleed from the scout ship launches. Oh, that is that is cool. Uh, but there's like no such it. thing as little gray people on the edge of your vision coming for you when you do this Ever. thing. Ever. It's, it's, there, 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 there aren't grays after you. Kind of reminds me of like the, the whole thing like with super hot and what have you. Uh, I... I I, I love beautiful. Oh my gosh, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. good. <laughs> you yeah. monster in the most beautiful of ways. <laughs> I, I tried to lean a little bit into horror, a little. I'm not as big of a horror blood stain as you two. <laughs> nah, but oh my god, that, it, it was beautiful. And I'm sorry, but you just yeah, nailed no, also the voice of just like that. Come on, buddy, use it. He's like your your friend gives you like cracked you know you... software. Yeah, and you're like, no, 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 you're not going to be inspected by like like the software police like way back, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are no cyber cops. What are you talking about? 
Right. Oh, that's fine. Oh, I love it. Well, and the good news is that it lets us have a really efficient and compact episode, especially as we're kind of pulling our thoughts together on the whole season and on the Eden ship and, and, and where to you know, send it off for you. Yeah. Which I don't think is a bad thing. No. No, it is not. If you want longer episodes, find us on social media and tell us. If you think this is the right size, the right length, especially if, like me, you listen to everything on double speed, find us on social media and tell us. <laughs> like, comment, yeah. share, subscribe. You know the drill. Yeah, because just so everybody knows, after this, we only have six more episodes for the season. And those, I'm just going to go ahead and lay them out real fast for people. Um, that is, we're going to talk about building, like building a starting adventure in this. And then we're going to actually dive into campaign development in the Eden ship in a two-parter. And then we're going to talk about swapping out game systems using this setting and how you can do it and what you can do it in. If you've been listening to us for a while, you know that all of us really have a firm belief that different systems do different things well. And so which system you use is going to let you play up or accentuate certain types of uh, storytelling aspects and certain types of campaigns. And we really want to highlight how you, as a GM, with your players' input, of course, never, never all the way on your own, always with players' input, how you can shape that character arc for your players just by that choice of system in this setting. Yeah. And the thing is, yep. you know, everything from the, the level of agency, you know, certain systems might be better for player agency, but another system might be able to able to do like a much better tension release cycle, you know, take away a little bit of the agency of the players, but they, you can get a better like atmosphere, you know, like that, you know, jump scare, mm-hmm. breathe. And then you start getting it's like, okay, when's it going to jump out? When's it going to jump out? You know, and, and we'll go through the positives, yeah. negs, stuff like that. Yep. And then we have one of our favorite episodes of the year. <laughs> our Stat Blockapalooza. Stat Blockapalooza. And then we have our wrap up. And that is it. That's all that we've got left to do for this. Which is a little, but also a lot. After that, we'll take a little bit of time off, recoup, kind of get our bearings, and set the stage for what's coming in the next season of Seize the GM. Yes. If you have ideas. We will be teasing some of that stuff out. I'll tell you that much right now. Um but coming up hopefully soon-ish, um, you may very well be able to start finding us on YouTube if you like YouTube more than sitting here listening to us. Butter, butter. <laughs> but I'm working on that. So in that interim period after we finish up the season we are probably going to take a little bit of time 
focus on where we're going with the next season. And then we are going to, I'm going to start working on putting this basic entire season up on YouTube for people. And as always, everything we hear from you and every good word you can share with your friends means the world to us. But to help you become a better GM, we do have some recommendations for things for you to explore this week. By week. Fortnite. Yeah, Fortnite. Look at this stuff. And and, uh, Gardemanger, you go first. Uh, Okay, I'm going to say the hero with a thousand faces. It's Joseph Campbell. (laughs) Chances are you've heard the name Joseph Campbell before. Maybe you've even read this work about the hero's journey. It may not be the last word on the subject, but the prevailing power of Campbell's monomyth work from comparative religion and comparative mythology shows how you can grasp the underlying power of legend and myth for your game. This is, if you'll pardon the phrase, the archetypal book of his that goes through the hero's journey and that cycle. And so if you haven't read it, you should go to your library, check it out, read it, support your local libraries or buy it through a local bookstore or on the link at the doodly do if you really must. And here's the thing. (laughs) After you've read the hero with a thousand faces, if you have the game on your computer called journey, after you've read it, play the game. And I, I, there, there's, because pretty much it's, it's simply the hero. It, it's probably one of the most simple yet elegant ways I have seen of demonstrating the hero's journey. And it's also, the music is great and it's absolutely beautiful. So, you know, it's like, you'll get, you'll get a little, a little bit more out of it. Nice. Well, and Jules, since you went First, last time. You need to go second this time. All right. Uh, <laughs> I picked uh, Attack Surface by Cory Doctorow. Uh, I am a huge Cory Doctorow fan. I started with uh, Little Brother, which is a, uh, you know, which is pretty much when it's like, okay, when Big Brother is, is, is pretty much lost his mind and is you're coming through, who do you turn to? And it's, it's amazing. And then he had the next book uh, called Homeland. And now uh, Attack Surface is set in the same universe as um, as Homeland and Little Brother. But uh, it's it's focusing on a, uh, a cybersecurity counterterrorism uh, named uh, Masha. And... You know, she she's developed all these wonderful tools to 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 allow uh, to to break a lot of the uh, uh, oppress like oh for oppressive regimes we can you know we can get through them and spy on them stuff like that. But then then well, what happens when the tools that you make start to get used for the very reason that you the to to uh, build up the very reason you develop. So if you're doing this to stop a despotic regime, what if it's being used to pretty much implement a despotic regime in your own backyard? But it is it is probably one of the most interesting reads, and I I, I just love it. it. It's the, you know, it's 
all more, a whole, there's a whole bunch more stuff going on within the uh, the little brother universe. It's just like okay, over surveillance, uh, illegal detention, stuff like that, and it's you know now. So you saw from like in Little Brother, and now you're seeing it. Okay, what if it's somebody that's working for the government, and now it's starting to get a little bit disillusioned because you're seeing the tools that they built used for stuff they don't agree with. And somebody, mm-hmm. it, it, I like the the way it says, and whatever choice is made, someone is going to get hurt. And I like that. It's just like th- there's no right choice. There's only what you feel is the best choice. And I'm like, I, I love how Doctor O works for stuff like that. Yeah. So nice. Yay. So, nice. so what do you got for us? Take us home, sir. Okay, so <clears throat> if you get the chance, I think it's still riding around on Netflix right now. Um, it is a movie called The Wandering Earth. It's either a, a series or it's like a short series or a movie. I can't remember which right now. Um, but The Wandering Earth is really really neat so basically there is something i'm not going to spoil much because if you like the big reason that like everything the earth is basically being moved to a new star so they found a way to basically propel the earth to a new star and the ideas are amazing and it's Chinese show. So it's like way different storytelling than most American stuff. Um, There's some really, really cool visuals and just the idea of a massive ship type game. Basically this is the biggest ship that you could have. (laughs) I mean, it is literally the planet being propelled through space (laughs) and not on its original trajectory. Like they've altered it enough that like they're passing. They're trying to get out of the solar system right now. And that's where this takes place as all this is going on. It's really neat. So it is definitely worth a watch, especially with all the Eden ship stuff that we've been doing. Like I watched it. I'm just like, Oh God, this is so cool. (laughs) So yeah, I think it's still, Oh, it is. It is still on Amazon, right? Or not on Amazon on uh, Netflix. So yeah, you should definitely check it out. It is, it is really neat. And it's got the human drama of some of this stuff that's going on. So Awesome. Sweet. Yeah. So. But yeah, that's what we got. That's a lot of fun. I, th- I think that's good stuff to review and think about and, 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 you know, take a look at and come back next time on Seize the GM for us to uh, cover the next chunk of the Eden ship and how we would set the stage for our opening adventure and, you know, what kind of a tavern everyone would meet in. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So until next time, folks. Play some games. Roll some dice. And have lots and lots of fun. Bye. Thanks for checking in. 
was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handled this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.